thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through his word. Thy praise confess, yea, of thy word, yea, my tongue would sing, yea, I confess, yea, I confess, for thy commands are righteousness. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord our Savior, and our King. Isn't it awesome to be uh, in the house of the Lord, lifting up the name of the Lord who is our hope. Everybody say, Christ is my hope. Christ is my hope. You know, it is very easy to get caught up in the world, right? Uh, I remember there are times I've been caught up in elections and I'm thinking, I hope somebody wins that I like or that's going to do something that I want to do or something I thought was going to happen in my life. I've got my hopes up. The Bible says hope deferred does what? It makes the heart sick. Well, I can tell you what today, if you put your hope in Christ, you're never going to be made sick by that. The Bible says God gives us hope that makes us not ashamed. Amen. Psalm 42, our call to worship today. This is to the chief musician, a maskil for the sons of Korah. As the heart pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while continually they say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holiday. They are, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, for help is of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and from the Hermonites and the hill of Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and all thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto my God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I a mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with the sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down? O my soul, why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. Who is the health of my countenance? 
and my God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us even before we knew you, Lord. You saw us when we were not seeking for you. You lifted us up, Lord, when we did not have the power to stand. And we come before you today in your house with your people, Lord, just amazed at your grace and your loving kindness, Lord, and your mercies that are new for us each day. Lord, we know that if it were up to us and it depended on our righteousness, Lord, we could not stand before you or ever even enter into your presence, O oh God. But you have washed us clean. You have forgiven us, Lord, and you have invited us into your home to be your children. Lord, thank you for that today. Speak to us from your word and change us and make us more fit for heaven. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Welcome here, Brother Kyle. He's been here with us many, many times. So hear the word of the Lord from him. Remain standing. He'll read his text for you. And after that, you'll be able to be seated. Amen. Greetings from Baton Rouge. It's my pleasure today to bring us the word of God, a sure word of prophecy. The only thing that can really count to make any change and substantive uh, nourishment to our souls. Today I'm reading... The text from Romans 8, 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Sorry for getting choked up. Um, we had devotion this last week with uh, my <clears throat> my father-in-law, my wife, and uh, my my uh, my son-in-law. My wife couldn't make it that night uh, due to. But we typically have a Thursday night session with all of us, and it's wonderful. And um, this is my main text that I read, and I read it at devotions that night, slash Bible study. Uh, but we will not be starting with this text. We will be working into this text, and then we'll be working out of this text. It's kind of like a little chiastic movement. And so, uh, but I, I was choking up as I did the other night. Well, and I, I was very surprised that that happened because I'm, because my father-in-law asked me, but Kyle, and, and he lives in Honduras, so he sees poverty on a daily level. And a very, I mean, we're talking cardboard huts, poor people. And it's really um, been an issue for him in the last several years that it's hard for him to avoid. He said, well, what about all the poverty? 
And I don't want to get ahead of myself, so I'm not going to linger too long on this moment. But the point is, I ran to this text, and at that point, it too made me weep. Uh, not weep, but get a little choked up because of what is going on in that text. And so, but to get to that text, I want to begin prior to that point. Uh, the impetus for this, to, this message was in my heart, uh, I would say a month or two ago at least. And I was contemplating the goodness of God. And we'll read it later on in Psalm 42. But in the world we live in, in the skepticism that we face every day, people say, where is your God? You know, the classic, uh, if there's evil in the world, can God be good? How can all this be if God is good and God is right and God is just? Can God really send people to hell for X, Y, and Z? And from the, from the classic sinner's perspective, they are... They, they make it a habit to judge the Lord. And I had been in a, a conversation, and then I was contemplating it later on. And I've been contemplating this particular aspect of the goodness of God for a while. And it's, we're human. We can relate to each other more than we can relate to God because he's so much higher than we are. It's much easier to relate to the guy I can see who suffers in my shoes then I can see a God who is so far beyond me. And so we as human beings get very sympathetic to the whole case. Well, can God really send people to hell, etc., etc.? <clears throat> and I've come up with a little a thing that said, well, you know what? God is just. God is just. You can count on that. Now, that's the typical response when you say, and therefore. But what I say is God is just. And he's not mean. In the common, normal vernacular of the day, he's not a jerk. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't give us vengeance seven times over like Lamech wanted. He only gives us what we deserve. I think that's a very, well, it's a very disalarming thing for the sinner. But for me as a saint, it's a very comforting fact that God does not go beyond justice. In fact, and I've, I've mentioned this theme before at this church, that when God judges the judgment that he brings is the most merciful one possible. That doesn't mean that there's mercy in eternal judgment. What I mean is, if we judged, we would judge seven times seven, like Lamech. But God only, so, and I've pointed it out before, at Babel, just like at the cross, when he limited man by confusing the languages, that was mercy and judgment all at once. The text right before, remember, the flood, mankind raced to such wickedness that God had to destroy the whole earth. And it was less than, it was probably within two to three hundred years at Babel that man was racing to that same spot again. And he said, you know, if I let these people go at it, there's no limit to what they will do. And he was not talking about technological advances. He was talking about the sin level that they will accumulate fast. They're already where they used to be, only much quicker. And if I don't stop this, I will have to destroy them again, and that's not my plan. So it is a mercy to the people of God and to the elect that he confused the languages. It is a judgment to the people of the earth. And even, even us who have to ride with them, it's frustrating, right? We have to ride this, this journey 
alongside the sinners. But we don't ride it with uh, looking down. We ride it looking up with expectancy and with hope. Amen. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And so the thought said to me, you know, God is just. And he's not going to put anybody where they don't deserve. And if we really believe that, when we get to heaven and see it, sinners included who are not redeemed, they're going to agree with God. Now, I don't understand this text all the time. I've searched it many times. Um, theologians debate that some will be given few stripes and some many. I don't, I'm not teasing that out today. But you know what it tells me? It tells me that one sinner is getting more stripes than another. I don't even know how that plays out. But I know that God is just, and that would make sense to me. It would make sense that he would give some more than others. So I trust that God is only going to give someone what they deserve. And when we get to heaven, we will all agree with him. In fact, in Revelations, when the saints are under the throne praying, you know what they ask the Lord? You know what they don't ask the Lord? They don't say, and I think I've mentioned this here before, um, Lord, when are you going to save them all? You know what they say? Lord, when are you going to rain down fire on these people? Because they agree with the Lord now. They see it from God's perspective, and they know it's true. <clears throat> so my thought that day was, well, then I'm going to put my hope in God, which was not the, the word I would have expected my head to say, but I said, I'm going to hope in God. I'm going to hope in his goodness and his justice. And that was, and I said, hope, hope in God. Yeah, in other words, when, <clears throat> when all of the naysayers and all the skeptics are, are judging the Lord as if they know, I'm going to put my hope in Him. Amen. That's where I'm. That's where I'm staking my ground in the goodness of God. I woke up around four o'clock, no, five thirty this morning, and I said, "Oh, I hope I can preach today." So forgive me for my throat. It's not sore or anything. I just I don't think I've been sleeping enough. So, <clears throat> so let's talk about hope. What is hope? I'm going to put hope into three different categories here. And the first category is one that we all hear on a, on a common basis. And it, by nature, this kind of hope is based entirely on contingency and uncertainty. Okay? Uncertainty. It is the least amount of certainty. It looks forward to the future with a desire or a wish for something to come to pass. Now that doesn't mean it's sinful that you wish for good things to come to pass. It would be sinful if you wish for bad things to come to pass. It just means it's limited and incapable of giving us absolute certainty to produce biblical hope that we need for our assurance. Some examples would be, uh, you know, they hope to succeed. I hope that she remembers. I hope you're feeling better soon. That's well-wishing. That's based on several contingencies. You could even say, uh, like, to win a game. Well, our hope rests on this quarterback playing if we have any chance to win. Uncertainty. This is, this is the weakest part of hope. And it's not, it's not a bad thing. We can all hope for things. But the idea as we move forward is we want our hope to be built on something strong and certain. 
That's a different level of hope, if I could put it that way. So the second category of hope comes with a lot more certainty or confident expectation. That's what the word would mean. But it is still not capable of what absolute hope gives us. Absolute hope is absolute certainty, absolute confident expectation. The second tier is what we could call mathematical or logical certainty. So for instance, one plus one is two. Or all men are mortal. Mark is a man. Mark is mortal. These are all very certain truths that we can put our hope in coming to pass in a certain... So that's why engineers build bridges and they're very confident they're going to work. <clears throat> that's why we can, we can use apologetics and logically get to a place. We can rationally get there. For all you classical apologists out there. But a logical syllogism... <clears throat> I mean, but these methods of knowledge or... Here's a word for the guys who want the big ones. Epistemologies provide a very high degree of certainty, no doubt, no pun intended, but they are still insufficient to produce the type of certainty that the scriptures speak of. And, and so this is why apologetics, incidentally, can never save anybody. You can, you can do the best job with an apologetical argument. It's not going to get someone over the, the finish line. It is not going to... That in and of itself cannot produce saving faith. Amen. Okay? That's a special category. That's the one we're targeting today. That's supernatural. That is beyond reason. That is, as Schaefer would say, that is beyond our ability. It's, it's beyond our limitation. It's objective. It comes into our world and invades us. This kind of certainty... The last category is what we really call biblical hope. It is a confident expectation, a certainty that can only come through the gift of faith. Fact. Well, now what does that mean? So true biblical hope can be fueled by true saving faith. Everything else is a counterfeit on the broad road built on sand. You know, the Bible never tells us why Cain's Offering is rejected. But we know by the analogy of Scripture that obviously he came not in faith. He came and he produced something with his own human certainty, thinking, this is it. <clears throat> and the Lord said, no, it's, it's really not Cain. What you're doing is not of faith. And the Scripture says that all things that are not of faith are sin. <clears throat> Don't put your hope in things that are not of faith. Don't put your hope on sinking sand. Don't put your hope in the broad path. When Jesus says there is a narrow road and a large road, you know what's on the large road? Hopes and fears, dreams, expectations. But not expectations founded on that faith, which is a gift from God. This is a supernatural thing that we cannot produce within ourselves. This is a gift of God. That's where hope sits. You know, a lot of times hope and faith can feel synonymous because as we know that faith, fiducia, 
is that trust that we have that you cannot produce. It produces certainty. Faith is equivalent to trust, and hope a lot of times can be used in the same way. But I, I want to divide the lines so that we understand what hope is and what it does. Hope <clears throat> always looks to the future. Hope is looking forward. Faith is the foundation that hope springs from so that we can what? We can look forward to something. It's our expectancy, our confident, stable, certain expectancy based on something real. And when I say something real, that's a very specific metaphysical location in the universe. That's not something you can touch, taste, and feel. That's something that the Holy Spirit has to put in you. <clears throat> and until it's there, you ain't got it. And once it's there, you got it. Amen. It's very real and very discernible. For grace, by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this, not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Our hope is built on nothing less. <laughs> Romans 4, 16 to 21. Let's listen to Abraham. The heart of this text, and I'm going to read around it, is that in hope he believed against hope. So I think it's good that we define hope so we know what we're talking about when we say hope against hope. Because we're looking for real hope. <clears throat> Romans 4, 16 to 21. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise, that thing that we're looking forward to, may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us, as it is written. I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. Remember Hebrews 11? We must believe that God exists as the creator and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Verse 18, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offsprings be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. <clears throat> no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise, that's forward, the hope of God. But he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised so the term in hope, he believed against hope, would look like this. In certainty, in absolute conviction, he believed against uncertainty. That's how that reads. In certainty, he believed against uncertainty. That would be human hope. That would be wishful thinking. Wanting something to be because you like it, because it favors you, because it's part of your dream. There's, there's a few things here that he hoped against hope. He never lost because he had divine faith. He had the conviction that he would be the father of many nations. He considered his own body to be dead. These are all things that should discourage you. These are all things that should make you say, not a chance. 
considered the barrenness of his wife not a chance. And as a result, he grew stronger. For every step we take in confident faith that is a gift from God, we grow stronger. And we believe more things. And we understand the territory God is giving us as we go forward in hope. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.1 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. This is how the believer operates in this world at any effective pace. Faith gives us the evidence necessary for hope, that is, confident expectation, the conviction necessary to press on to what is not yet seen. Does anybody in this room look forward to the future, to things you can't see, and you're hoping they come to pass? Well, you can't always think that all those things are going to come to pass, but there are many things that you know will come to pass. God will be just. God will deliver. God will bring the consummation of all things. God will be faithful to his people. God will deliver you. And God brings all things into your world for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Those are things we can know, but we can only know them by faith. You know, when people don't have faith, they wonder about it. I just had a meal with a gentleman a couple weeks ago in Florida. He's, he's a wealthy man with all kinds of stuff. And he went to church for many years, but now he just has no security. He has no confidence. He's just not sure what's real. And he went to a Presbyterian church for about 10 years, and I know one of the elders there who's a pretty sharp guy. But this man has no confidence. He has no certainty that what he believes about God is true. He kept telling me, I'm just like that dog that looks at you and goes like this. He can't figure it out. He has no certainty because I came to the conclusion he doesn't have saving faith. <clears throat> but I could be wrong. He could be wandering. He could be spinning around back to his core. It's not my business. That's God will figure that out. My business is to say, brother, love the Lord. Put your trust in him. Hope enables us to look forward, further strengthening our resolve to persevere. Now we're ready to leave Romans 8. If I could do a little mini synopsis, Romans 8 is where we live. This is where we believers live. Romans 6 is all about how you come to faith. You are crucified with Christ, raised with him, crucified in baptism, raised in resurrection with Christ, set free from the law. Once you were married to the law and free from Righteousness. Now you're married to righteousness and free from the law. And then Romans 7 is all about that battle that goes on inside. Paul says, who will deliver me from this wretched man that I am? And you know what the next chapter in the Bible is? Chapter 8. So Paul shows us that we live by the Spirit. And that we live a life of contention. And we live a life in a world where there is hard things to go through. But for the Christian, it is not without purpose. It is not without gain. Once again, Sinclair Ferguson says, Suffering 
for the world's perspective, is something to avoid. But for Christ, suffering is useful. Suffering is a useful tool for the Holy Spirit to tease out the, the dross in your life, to bring the, what do they call it in metalworks, the stuff that comes to the top, slag or something like that. That's what suffering does for us. That's what hardship does for us. That's what contention does for us. It makes us stronger. And when we are stronger, we have hope. For I consider, I, I, I told my father-in-law, I said, you, you know why this is the way it is? And that's why I get choked up. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, not next year, not in the past, right now, this, this era that we're in, before the consummation of all things, are not worth comparing with the glory, that's our hope, that is to be revealed to us for the creation waits with eager longing. Eager longing based on hope, uncertainty, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. In hope that the creation itself will be set free. In hope, in expectancy. Don't be dismayed by the sufferings of this present life because God has engineered it that way. You know, someone uh, a couple years ago said, you know, all the suffering here is because, because of us. And I said, no, it's not. I know that we're under judgment and we are the provocateur of why it's here. But you know why all this is here? Because God has deemed it necessary. Amen. That's what this scripture says. That we didn't do this willingly. We're not going through this willingly. We're doing this because God has decided this is the path forward. It's like going through a sifting screen. <clears throat> I'm not interested in all that baggage you have. I'm bringing, I'm sifting you. I'm sifting you and making you pure like gold. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who? Unrepentant sinners? No. The saints. We're groaning in expectation. Eagerly waiting for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. I was telling the guys today that when you put 10 or 12 hours plus into a sermon, and you get here and it's Sunday morning, you're just anticipating. You just can't wait to get it out. It's time to kick off. The game needs to start. That's eager expectation. You're eagerly waiting for the things of God, for the consummation of all things. I like what John MacArthur says. I've quoted him before on this, and it's a paraphrase. He says, <clears throat> people say I'm not as funny as I used to be. He says, that's because I've lived a long life, and I've seen a lot of things. But you know what? And, and so it's it's... It's more stark. It's more real. But you know what he said about that? He says, but that gives me hope. That gives me assurance that I have faith. Because I have traveled through these waters. And I'm still seeking Christ. That's what suffering will do. It'll weed out the wheat and the tares. You don't have to do that. That's not our job. God will take care of that. It's your job to just hope. That the ones that are falling, you can catch them. Maybe they're, they're the saints that need to be caught and encouraged. Because really, we don't know. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. That's what 
Light comes from faith. It's not seen. It's the future. It's what you're expecting. You know, uh, Mark, uh, a couple years ago, I was sitting in the, the car at the gas station, and Mark was saying, well, you've had a lot of things happen. You know, and I said, really? Like, what? I was having one of those days. Me and Mark help each other through those days. And he started listing off all the things that have happened uh, that are not the fun things that you would want to have happen, like the death of family members and just tragedies and things like that. Uh, it, it helped me to see that in spite of all that, I am I'm still moving forward. I'm still moving forward. Nobody gets to escape this. This is for everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember what you said at the beginning before service. That, that sometimes we get blessed and we see the blessings. And uh, sometimes we see blessings in raindrops and tears. Sometimes we see blessings. In fact, I would say more often we probably do. God lets us come up for air. We get power packed. And then he goes, back at it, brother. Back at it. Make me good. Make me look good. We, we walk in the sufferings of Christ, it says in, in, in Peter. I, I, it seems like every time I come here, I preach like this. But <clears throat> I'm just preaching from how God is working in my life, to be honest. And I'm hoping that there's a sure word of prophecy in here that somebody needs to hear. This is the way God works. This is the methodology for producing hope. Listen to what it says in Romans 5, 2 to 5. Through him we have also attained access by faith. Remember that. By faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice. How? In hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, I'm very human. And many times, I've got to be honest, I don't rejoice in my sufferings. That really, truly is the battle right there. I'll just speak for myself. That's my battle right there. When things aren't going the way I want, they don't look good. When my dreams are crushed, God is a dream crusher. He has to be so he can give us bigger and better dreams. And so some of Kyle's struggles are, well, that dream's been crushed. God... Help me to see the bigger dream. I'm just being honest with you. You know, I was putting this message together. You know, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll get up to the next point. It says, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering what? Why do we rejoice in our sufferings? It says, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Don't don't feel stupid that you trust the Lord. You know, I want to hold on to my dreams and I want to say, and I want to not let go and embrace a new dream. I got some new dreams in my life right now of epic proportion that I need to embrace. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't want to embrace it. Sometimes I want to go and hide say, I just can't deal with that right now. (laughs) And you know, I'm always wrong when it happens. Because it always turns out much better than I thought it was going to turn out. When I face my new dream, 
when I faced my new job, you know, um, Lex was saying yesterday that when we do stuff because it feels good, that might not always be the best motive. Because I know it's a blast to go over in the 100 degree heat in Myanmar and deal with third world conditions that you're not used to. That's always fun. It's always fun to go to Honduras where it's really hot and, and go on the ranch. Now, I'm a working dude. I can put on a pair of boots and go remodel your house. But when I'm not remodeling my house, what I don't want to do is go to a hot, dusty, dirty situation. But you know why I do it? I do it because God has called me to do such things. And whether it's Honduras or, or picking up all the chairs after church, God has called us to things that aren't always part of our dream. I think most of our dreams are include something like nice pools, uh, a spa, a massage, and really good food. Am, am I ringing any bells? Anybody going, yeah, what I like, man. A mimosa? For brunch? That's what my dreams used to be. My dreams are my dreams are dying. And I can see why. And I know they need to die. I know I'm becoming more like Christ. And I know I'm becoming more what I call bulletproof. You know, I was counseling a young couple last year. And I was telling the wife, giving her counsel on how to approach her marriage. I said, my goal is to make you bulletproof. So that no matter what he does, you'll be strong in Christ. Because that's really all of us. At any given time, at any given circumstance, God is making us bulletproof. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it, been given to us. Our sufferings are good news. It means we're moving forward. It means things are going the way they're supposed to go. And I got to tell you, we do have first world problems here. There's a lot of suffering that we know nothing about. It's hard. So we hope in God. That's where we put, that's, that's where our hope lands. And this, this, um, this, this process we're in, as I've already mentioned, is a struggle. It's a fight. It's a fight to the end. You need to learn to be tenacious in your faith. Hebrews 4 says, you need to make every effort to press into your rest. And that scripture has never been clear to me now, preaching this message, what it even means. We're not pressing because we produced faith. We're not pressing because we have it in us. We're pressing because we have something reliable and solid. And he's saying, you stand on that ground and you live it. You don't let go of that spot. Until you get your rest. Now I understand there's a lot of other implications to that text. But I know there, that one's in there too. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called about and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And that's really what struck me that day when I said, I'm going to hope in God. I realized retroactively, not, no, reflexively, that's a tense we use in Spanish, reflectively, I knew I just made a confession. 
Kind of like when Peter says, I know who you are. It was, the way it struck me when it came out of my mouth was, I'm going to hope in God. And I went, well, that's a good confession. I'm going to stand on that confession. We must fight the good fight. We must maintain a good confession. Do you think that's easy? There are many days for me that it is not. Since you're all human too, I bet you there are many days when it's not easy for you either. There are days when it's hard. There are days when being a stay-at-home mom with five kids is hard. And it's hard to have a good confession. And it gets discouraging. We need to hope with God. You know that I was putting this message together. <clears throat> this is, I guess, Thursday. And it was one of those days that just struck me wrong. Now, one thing I've learned when I get into that space is to be quiet. Stop talking. Because good things are not coming out of my mouth. Discouragement will come out of my mouth. Mark knows this about me. Mark says there's two Kyles. There's that Kyle. And then there's the other Kyle. That Kyle needs to be quiet. You know, that's why golfers do what they do. Golfers who are successful learn how to control the highs and the lows. And I've really adopted some of that paradigm because I've realized that when I go low, how low can you go? <laughs> I have to shut up. And my poor, dear, precious wife, who is an absolute blessing in my life, and I can't wait to bring her up. She would have been here on this trip, but my in-laws are in town getting medical care. Nothing major. And... Uh, when I get quiet like this now, which is the new Kyle operating, she gets nervous that she's done something wrong, and I felt bad because I knew she was thinking about it. And I had to, you know, once the company went to bed and we had our time alone, you know, I was able to just speak to my wife and say, what was on? She goes, I'm ready to listen. I want to hear it. And she wants to know what, what's going on with troubling you. I'm doing a, a message on hope, and I'm in the mully groves. And I'm trying to prepare my message. I mean, I took Thursday off so I wouldn't have any problems and just no, no interfering. And you know who the problem was? Me. And I'm just kind of... <laughs> and I knew at that moment, because I'm working on the attack, said, you're in the battle right now. You're in the battle right now. I love what... Uh, John Piper says, hoping in God does not come naturally for sinners like us. We must preach it to ourselves and preach diligently and forcefully or we will give way to a downcast and disquiet spirit. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I know that if I don't preach hope to myself and faith, then I will have a disquiet and a downcast spirit. And I took that moment, I, the, I came to a moment of realization, you know, and I says, and I started reminding myself of truths, the truths of God. That's what I had to do. I started, I started listing things that didn't make me feel great, that weren't feeling oriented, but were true, that I knew were true. And I said, now you have to face that. That is true, and you need to snap out of it. And start believing what is true and stop whining about other things. Now, I don't know how you want to internalize that, how you're going to walk out of this room and put that into practice today. But that's why God says don't be a complainer and a murmurer. 
discontented will get, get you nowhere fast. And I literally, I felt like a golfer. I'm like, no, God is good. Things are good. This is just you being you. You're slipping into a, a, into a funk, you know. Da, 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 da. It happens. Um, and I knew I was in the fight. And I fought. And I was quiet. And I waited my turn. And I waited my time. And then I was able to reconnect with my wife. And she was such a blessing. And I, it was great to just share my heart with her. And to overcome that. And what you know what made it easier, I think, to overcome that? Was I didn't sin. I shut my mouth. I shut my mouth. And, and I think that this is what it means that when we grow in our suffering, every time we suffer and we succeed, we get one step stronger. And then we're ready for the next set of weights. Well, we learn to do 90 kilograms, then we're ready for 120. And it's really pleasing to say, who? Wow. I fought the good fight. Wow, God delivered me. I did, I, I listened to the Lord and did what he told me to do, which is not complain and murmur, not be a mully grubber, but to focus on the things of God, the hope set before me, which is eternal life, and it actually worked. Wow. You know, Richard Sibbs, he's a Puritan, went to Cambridge in the 1500s. He wrote a book, 175 pages on Psalm 42, verse 5. You know how Puritans are. <laughs> Yeah, you think, you think you've exhausted the scripture, just read some Puritans. You'll get exhausted. But I love Puritans. And Sibs is always known for being one of the happier, upbeat, wearing colorful clothes Puritans. And they called, his nickname was the Sweet Dropper because he would always bring joy and hope to his sermons. Well, it was one of the, you know. And so he wrote a book on this text that we read earlier today called the soul's conflict with itself. So we started with trying to understand what hope was. And hope is rooted in this um, supernatural faith so that we can go through the suffering in this life in hope of glory, evidence of things not yet seen. And you know what? When, we, when we're going through that, now we're coming out of that text into this text that says fight. So therefore, because of that, fight. Fight the good fight of faith. <clears throat> Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. I thought Mark was going to preach some of my sermon today. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. <clears throat> let us then, let us then, it means as a result, look at that, focus in your eyesight, get the junk out of your eyesight and put that as, that's why the scripture says, look to heaven. Let your, let, don't look to the things of the earth. Keep your eyes focused on Christ. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. See, I was in a time of need. Now, that might have been a time in my life where that day would have just squirreled sideways. And I would have just blown up the house and it would have been a, a moody place. My wife would have been discouraged. 
I mean, that's happened to me. I don't know about y'all. This is, this is one of the things about being a male and being the head of your home that's very important to understand. You really are a rudder in your home. And so we men feel it. And we feel the weight of it. And when we blow it, it's hard. And we have to say, I'm sorry. No questions asked. No excuses. No nothing. I want to be setting a good tone. And what is that tone? Keeping your eyes on Jesus. Keeping your eyes on Christ. Eliminating the fluff. Quit your dreams. Well, this isn't the way I want. Well, welcome to the road, buddy. This is the narrow road. There's all kinds of stuff on the narrow road that don't include what you want. There's lots of stuff on the narrow road that have nothing, nothing to do with what you want. Ooh, that's some maturity that, that's tough when you're immature. And I would like to say I'm like the Apostle Paul, but then I'd have to say, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? That's, that's kind of one of my favorite scriptures. It's so pungent. It's pungent. Psalm 42, I, I contemplated reading the whole psalm again, like bookends. But I, I pulled out a couple of sections of the whole psalm, which we read earlier. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I love that text. That is a text now, I want you to know, that can only be born of faith. It can't be born because it feels good today. That's the kind of text that demonstrates that you go to places and do things that aren't comfortable and pleasant because you long for his presence like a deer who panteth after the water. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? This is what I love about this text. He's arguing with himself. He's preaching to himself. Remember, John Piper said, preach it to yourself. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. See, he's preaching to himself. He's commanding, hey, do this. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep. Now, if you're not feeling that pungency, man, you need more faith. You need some suffering. <laughs> Verse 10, walking out the rest of the psalm. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Like as if they're going to move me off my spot. That's, that's, why, that's why the saints persevere. Because they can't be moved. Because God is, you know, uh, I don't want to misquote it, but if God be for us, you know, if God has called, it's in Romans 8. Uh, I didn't put it down, so we'll just skip it. I'm not going to misquote a scripture. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why? What is the problem? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 
I pray that somewhere in this talk today that the eternal word has reached our hearts in some way that we need you know uh, before service I was talking with some people and I said well this may be a good message for them today well good I'm glad somebody's going to get something out of it and because it's the word of God it can't not do something it will either jar you from your spot or comfort you coming out of the spot so I pray today that we learn to put our hope where it belongs, standing on by faith, looking forward with absolute certainty. It's the faith, and the Word of God is the only epistemological system that brings absolute certainty. That's for all you theological nerds out there. Amen. Amen. Fancy, we'll have two of these. Uh, don't get scared. We're not going to have the pastor has to preach another sermon after the guest speaker. Um, but truly, if, you, if you're having trouble having hope in the wrong things, God will be so kind to you, and He will help destroy all of your faith in those other things. Uh, and that's generally not a pleasant experience. Um, so, but we can give thanks for that. Amen? Amen. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and stand right now? And why don't we... Ask God to help us to put our hope in Him. You know, some people might say, you know, they may say, you know, I, I, I don't have faith. And I'll say, yes, you do. You have faith that the chair is going to hold you. You have faith that your car is going to start. You have faith that your employer's checks are going to clear. Uh, right? You go and you, you put faith in different things. And hope is no different. You might say, well, I don't know what I have. You have a lot of hope. We just got to put the hope in the right things. Amen? And today, Brother Kyle has taught us from God's Word the importance of understanding that our hope should be in God. So today, we believe God's Word teaches us that we're not to be just forgetful hearers of His Word, but what? So as we pray, ask God to show you. Maybe God already has what have I hoped in that I shouldn't hope in? And how can I hope in you, Lord? Maybe you can even take a tangible step today in repentance where you can say, I'm done hoping in that. I'm done hoping in them. I'm done hoping in, in me. And today, I'm going to take a step, even if it's a small step, Brother Thomas, and we're glad you're here at this, buddy, uh, to hope in God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy, and today we're thanking you again for hope in you. Lord, one of the realities of the life that we live with you, Lord, is that you don't leave us the way we are when you find us, but that you sanctify us. 
today we ask for your sanctifying touch in our lives that we would drop our hope in things that we have it in now and we would put all of our hope we would put every egg in the basket of hope in you and that we would just not be hopeful in the things that are going to disappoint us that are going to let us down that are going to become an idolatry in our lives oh god help us lord jesus to have hope lord in you in jesus name amen Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.